Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another college hockey-centric podcast for you. Uh, later on, Josh Segan of College Hockey News. He covers ECC hockey for that uh, website. He will uh, come on with me to talk about ECC hockey as we are just about at the midway point of the regular season. Well, the Union Dutchmen are back home for the first time in 48 days. On Friday, they'll toast Brown at 7 o'clock and then take on Yale on Saturday, also at 7 o'clock. Uh, it's really some big games coming up for the Dutchmen in these this weekend, a chance to maybe improve their playoff positioning. Uh, but the fact that they're home for the first time since December 4th when they lost to Quinnipiac for nothing, they're pretty excited about that. Of course, uh, Union was supposed to play uh, UMass uh, for two-game series New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, but because of health and safety protocols within the Union hockey program, those games were postponed, and it's highly doubtful at this point that they will be made up. And uh, Union will be playing Long Island University, LIU, on uh, February 1st. Uh, that was just recently announced. So um, the fact that they're home again, it's, it's great for the Dutchman. And the fact that on Wednesday it was announced that after a two-week period where the um, uh, fans outside of the Union community could not attend any events, the Union Athletic Department announced that fans will be able to uh, attend uh, indoor events at uh, Union campuses this weekend. And um that includes the men's hockey games. You have to prove, uh, have to have bring your proof of uh, vaccination and wear a face mask. Uh, but it's all good. And the, the two-week period for that uh, union that had union had really didn't affect much. Uh, the men were on the road anyway. The women were home last week, or actually on Sunday and Monday. So that was about the only thing, as far as hockey-wise, was affected by uh, no attendance. Uh, just uh, union students, faculty, and staff were allowed to attend uh, games. But uh, like I said, it's good, good news for the Union fans. I know there's a lot, there's a lot of concern out there about that, uh, but uh, it's they'll be able to see their games uh, in person uh, this weekend with the uh, men's team with Brown and Yale coming in. But uh, I emphasize, I really do emphasize, wear the face mask and make sure you bring that proof of uh, you, that you were vaccinated. Otherwise, you're not getting in the building. So just, it's simple. Just don't, don't be silly about that. Just, you know, to do... We want to get we want to get this pandemic over with. We got to do some you know, sacrifices, and this is one of them. Just yeah, wear the mask and bring your proof of vaccination. Well, as far as uh, being home again, uh, Union head coach Rick Bennett is uh, pretty pleased about it. I guess I have to tell you after the game, but going into it, it's, it's a nice feeling, and it's you know more importantly, it's uh, you know how our players feel, and hopefully they're feeling really good about it going into this contest. Union forward Gabriel Seeger also discussed about being able to play at home once again. Now, obviously, it's, it's an advantage in this league to play at home and not having to travel, uh, hopefully play for some fans out of student section. So apart from the hockey, like we're super excited, but I think it will give us an advantage on the ice too, which we'll need. The Dutchmen are coming off a very bad loss up in Clarkson last Saturday. Uh, the Union gave up six first-period goals, the most they've given up in a while. Uh, it ties the team record for most goals allowed in a period. And uh, Clarkson went on to an easy 8-2 victory over the Dutchmen at uh, Chiel Arena. 
Uh, Union has really, the last few games, have been getting off to slow starts. I mean, they fell behind against St. Lawrence the, the previous night, uh, but they rallied for a 3-2 victory in, in that one. Uh, but they've been, when the opposition score first this season, they're 1-7-1, and and when Union scores first, it's 5-4-2. and The Dutchmen haven't scored the game's first goal since December 11th against Maine, and that was a loss, uh, 4-3 up in Arno. And the last time the Dutchmen scored the first goal in game and won, it was the game-winning goal by uh, Liam Robertson in overtime against Princeton on December 3rd, a one nothing victory for that. Uh, Rick Bennett addressed the uh, slow starts. Okay, it starts with practice. I'll talk to the leaders, you know, and chit-chat with certain players uh, throughout the week and try to get their solutions too uh, going forward. But, you know, ultimately, I think you learn that a little bit more as a pro pro hockey player and the fact of if you don't get yourself fired up and, and, and aren't playing on a consistent level coming out of the gates, well, you're probably sent down or you're looking for a new profession. So here in college, you don't have that. Um, yeah, we do have section P, uh, but and what I mean by that is they're in the stands with their section P equals parents. And it's, that's all we have as coaches, you know, to get these guys fired up, but that's just one, one or two players at a time. That's not a full team. So it's on, it's on our coaching staff on me to make sure that we fix this problem here very fast. And especially against a couple of teams that have, you know, also like you coming back from a year off, uh, they seem to be struggling a little bit. So how, even, especially this weekend, how important is it to, you know, get that jump and, you know, get some, get six points out of this weekend. Yeah. You know what? And if it doesn't, if the guys don't come out, you know, and we don't have a great first period. Well, that's why there's three periods. And then we proved that against St. Lawrence. We weren't able to do that against Clarkson. So I don't want to put the weight of the world on their shoulders if we have a slow start. Well, hopefully we don't. But, you know, when <laughs> funny things happen throughout the course of a season. That's why I call it a season. And this is just, just one of those issues that has popped up. And we'll find a way to fix it. Also talking about the slow starts are freshman forward Andrew Seaman, who scored the game-winning goal and also had an assist in the St. Lawrence game, and goaltender Connor Murphy. Uh, I think it'll be really important this weekend. Uh, I think, you know, we're in a better spot if we're not playing from behind. You know, we kind of are able to play more of a defensive game if we get off to a hot start and, you know, maybe score the first couple. Um, obviously, we don't want to be in a spot like we were in this past weekend where we're chasing the game from the start, so... I think we just need to bring some more urgency to the first period and hopefully get off to a hot start. Connor? Yeah, same thing. Just uh, I think once we're once we're starting off well, I think it's the game is in our hands and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot easier to play with the lead than it is from behind. So um, obviously we all look to be in the lead, but sometimes you're not gonna be and you're still gonna have to find those ways to uh, to try to battle it out kind of like we did on Friday and Sometimes you are going to have to come back late in the game. And that's just kind of the way it is. But we definitely like to have the league going, like coming out of the first period and going into the second. So we're going to definitely work on that and try to prepare better and do what we can to, to be in that position. Murphy was pulled from the uh, Clarkson game after allowing three goals on five shots in the first period. Uh, after the game, when I spoke to Rick Bennett, I asked him about that, and he said that Murphy was not feeling well. Uh, Murphy addressed that uh, issue on uh, Tuesday during the Zoom conference call. I'm feeling a lot better now. Um, I mean, obviously, 
that was a tough game for everybody on Saturday. So, um, I mean, after the three goals in the first period, I was kind of expecting to be pulled. But um, I was, wasn't was feeling sick at all during that game, so it's not really an excuse to, to go by for that. It's just, just got to be better prepared mentally at the beginning of the game, and then hopefully things will change. But, um, yeah, no, I'm feeling better now, so I felt good in practice yesterday and hoping to have a good week of practice coming up. As I did last week, and I did it again this week, I asked Rick Bennett about his Cowboys, this time trying to explain a bad loss uh, against uh, the San Francisco 49ers, a 23-17 victory for the 49ers over the uh, Cowboys in the uh, wild card round on Sunday. Uh, as you know, Rick Bennett is a very uh, uh, devout Cowboys fan, and uh, uh, he uh, didn't mince words about the Cowboys. Uh, that that. That's probably the easiest question that you have ever asked here, and I want to thank you for that. And You're welcome. <laughs> it, it's called discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. And I don't think anybody thinks you're going to win a game with 14 penalties or whatever the heck it was. You're, you're, you're outside yourself. And I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I, I, I think that starts from the top down. What about the yes. end of the game there with Prescott? running the ball i i think the romo called it and said uh you know you got to go a certain amount of yards right and then you got to hand the ball to the ref but geez the ref's got to get between 400 pound giants to to get the ball down to, to get the ball down i i don't know enough about football and i was only regurgitating what, what uh, tony romo said but it does make a lot of sense if you're going to run a play like that you better know the circumstances around it and Hey, I've made plenty of mistakes, so I'm the last guy to say. Okay, we're at the Union women's side. They have a short week coming up uh, after playing games Sunday against Princeton and Monday against Quinnipiac at home, both uh, five nothing losses. Uh, Union women get back on the road this time. They go to St. Lawrence for a Friday night game and then take on seventh-ranked Clarkson on Saturday. Union head coach Josh Skiba talked about the uh, short turnaround. Um, I, th I think it's great. I think, honestly, for us, I think we, we want to play games, right? The objective for us in the second half here, as we told the team, is we want to play as many games as, as we can. Um, you know, just not playing last year, being grateful to, to play games in general this year, but then obviously coming into the second half and seeing a lot of the teams have some COVID issues, um, including ourselves. I think we just want to play games. You know, whenever those are scheduled, I think uh, it's kind of nice to have some games uh, close together. It's almost uh, more of a pro hockey schedule in some ways. And I think the girls just want to play games. So um, I think that's our, our, you know, our mentality is we, we want to play, we're ready to go. And, and that's kind of where we're at. Also discussing the short turnaround, our goaltender, Olivia Rinzel and forward Katie Sontag. You'll hear from Olivia first. Um, I mean, I think it'll be a quick turnaround, but we've been practicing now for over 11 days. And I think um, we're well conditioned and it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, everyone just needs to focus on recovery and how they're going to do that best um, and just come ready to play mentally and physically. Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Rins there. I think for the most part, we're all just really excited to play games, especially I know Josh mentioned, obviously we didn't play last year. And so I think we're really just treating it as every opportunity to play a game is, is awesome. You know, regardless of how many numbers we have in our lineup, just means more ice time for us. So I think um, from that point of view, like we're just grateful we're getting to play games. 
Coming up, Josh Segan, who covers ECAC hockey for College Hockey News, joins me. We'll talk about the uh, season so far in the conference. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. What's going on, everybody? My name is Freddie Coleman, host of ESPN Radio's Freddie and Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. It's the middle of January, and normally it's time to say it's the uh, midway point of the ECAC hockey season, but with all the uh, postponements and all, a lot of teams have yet to play double-digit games in conference play. But let's talk about ECAC hockey with the College Hockey uh, News uh, beat writer for ECAC Hockey, Josh Segan. Josh, welcome back uh, to the podcast, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. Good to have you uh, back full time in the ECAC, and uh, good uh, good to be on your show as always. I appreciate it uh, very much, Josh. And I mean, let's let's talk about this league right now. I mean, you know, the league went through the COVID last year. Only four teams. Now everybody's back, and we're seeing just craziness with the schedules, the games being postponed, and you know, teams now playing midweek. And we we could see you know teams playing maybe three or four games in a week. I mean, how how crazy has this been? Uh, it's just been yeah just been crazy ken right like i mean we had princeton that was out for almost what two and a half weeks almost three weeks there they weren't playing games they have probably the most to catch up on and you know quinnipiac didn't play for over a month and almost a month and a half there before they played last weekend and yeah it's just a lot of uncertainty right now but it looks like maybe some of this is starting to get behind us um you know, teams are starting to pick up. It looks like maybe only Brown is the only one that's on a little bit of a pause here. But was last weekend. I mean, RPI started playing again. And, yeah, so it just seems like maybe we're starting to get the band back together again. And maybe Omicron has passed a little bit. And uh, we maybe we can get back to some normalcy here yeah. down for the stretch run. Yeah, I mean, I you know, get back into covering the ECAC and Union. And it's, it's been it's just... I mean, I've been writing lately more about games getting postponed than I am actual game stories. It's you know, Union was supposed to play UMass at the end of uh, end of twenty twenty one, the start of twenty twenty two, that New Year's uh, Day weekend, and that got ended up getting canceled. And it's just uh, and Union's going to be home this weekend, as you mentioned. Brown uh, is coming in on Friday, and Yale's on Saturday. It's their first home game in over over a month. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, um, yeah, I was hearing last night on the Quinnipiac broadcast, it's been almost two months since their women had been playing. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it's just been a, it's just a crazy time. And, 
you know, it's it's good to have the band back together. I guess it's a dysfunctional band at this point, um, the way it, the way the the season's playing out. But you know, hopefully the stretch run won't be affected. Maybe maybe it's just run rampant through the teams, and uh, maybe we can have sort of a normal end to the uh, season. I mean, we had Cornell there; they had some issues over break. Um, by the sounds of it, and you know they got their issues by the break before the break, and then they had a good weekend, well, a poor weekend, and then they had a very good weekend against North Dakota. And yeah, maybe maybe we can have some normalcy down the stretch. Having you back in the league though is kind of normal. <laughs> I will say that it's been a little abnormal the last few years without you. Yeah, it's it's. It, it, I still watch it from afar. It was just the uh, different aspect uh, between doing some other stuff, the newspaper, being, uh, you know, I'd freely say, I mean, I was laid off for 10 months uh, before I came back uh, as associate sports editor. Uh, it's, you know, I still, you know, was keeping track of things, especially when I was doing the podcast with uh, Mike McGadam uh, a couple of years ago. But uh, it's it's fun to be back. I mean, I, I look at the league right now. Right now, you know, Quinnipiac, the number one team, not only ECAC hockey, but in the country. And I think they were on full display Tuesday night with that 9 nothing uh, romp over Princeton. Man, how scary good is this team? Yeah, that team's very good. I mean, they're giving up one goal a game, right? They, they've they outscored um, something in the last eight games, 38-2 to two or something like that. Yeah. Um, they're very good. I mean, they should have – they really – Honestly, I mean, their only losses to North Dakota in what was that, early November, late October, and they all probably should have won that game too because they dominated a very good uh, North Dakota team um, that obviously had their struggles against Cornell as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, their penalty kills almost 95%. Um, like I said, they've, they've allowed 21 goals in 21 games. They're... Their young goaltender, first year, um, Danny Peretz. I mean, he has eight shutouts in 14 games. Uh, I mean, their defense, you know, every now and then, you know, they have a very good team, but this might be his, uh, Brand Pecknell's most solid team um, because they've always had a little issue with being maybe a little consistent on the defensive end, defensive end even though they're, they're, they're very good with possession. They've always been very good with possession, but this team seems to just be strong, very experienced, lots of grad transfers, lots of grad players. So there's also a mighty bit of experience there, which, you know, should help them down the stretch. But the question with Quinnipiac is, you know, will it translate to the tournaments, yeah, right? right? It's, that's, it's that's always been the big question, thing with yeah. them. And, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they had some talent too. I mean, they had a guy, kid like Ty Smolanik, who's – who's been very good, um, you know, Wyatt Bon Giovanni, my goodness, uh, the list is endless there in, uh, in Hamden, it seems, right now. Yeah, I mean, I just, I saw Quinnipiac here uh, against Union back in December, and I basically toyed with Union, I was just, I think Union, you know, like, at one point, I had eight shots on goal with ten minutes left in the game, that's how uh, dominant yeah. Quinnipiac, I mean, it took a while for Quinnipiac to score some goals, but once they did, I, uh, once they got two in, you knew the game was over at that point. That's, uh, I, yeah, but as you said, that's that's the the one hiccup with this uh, Bobcats team over the years is not performing well in the tournament. Yes, they've gotten the two national championship games, lost them both, but uh, and I think it was a, they haven't really done well in the ACAC hockey tournaments. Uh, they've only won one yeah. in all those years. They were that good. I mean, you know, maybe this is the year though that you know they really go in there. But you know, there will always be some you know a team that can trip them up. A couple of years ago, when they were really good, it was Brown um, that yeah. they just didn't play well against. Uh, deal with some injuries, and I mean, I mean, this team just looks different. I mean, you just look at—I don't know if you're a big fan of the, you know the exam, advanced statistics, but. 
They have a 65% Corsi. They're number one in the nation by about five percentage points. That is high. That means they have the puck 66% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that when you have the puck that much time, you're not going to take, you're not going to get very many penalties against. Uh, you know, you're not going to give up very many shots. You know, you're, you're in the, and if you do, they're probably not going to be very consistent. But I guess all you have to worry about then is, you know, your goaltender being a little cold. But I mean, yeah, they, they, they've looked very good and, you know, they've really, and they just didn't let up. I mean, you look at last night, they just didn't let up, right? They, right. <laughs> uh, they, they were pretty, uh, ruthless with that, uh, uh, Princeton team last night. And, you know, it probably could have been a little, even probably more than nine, nothing. Because um, yeah, it was eight, almost twenty, almost seventeen minutes to go, with, and it was already nine nothing. So, yeah, no, they're very impressive. I mean, as far as the rest of this you know, top four right now, I, I think the top four is pretty well set. As uh, when we get into tournament time, I mean, Clarkson, Cornell, and Harvard right now occupy uh, two, three, and four respectively. But who's yeah. what team you think could give Quinnipiac fits uh, in the, in a championship game? I mean, you look at it, right, Cornell. I mean, you mentioned Cornell, right? Um, Cornell is one of those teams, you know, they've played well recently. I mean, they've put up a lot of goals this year. Interestingly enough, they're, they were sixth in, they're sixth in offense going into this weekend in, in the country. Um, and Cornell is going to have the top-ranked defense. It's usually Cornell that has the top-ranked defense heading into any big game. Um, so, yeah, but no, that's a team that could definitely – I mean, they gave North Dakota fits. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and became the first ECAC team to sweep them out there. Yeah. Um, the last one that even came close was 2007 Union, who, 17 Union, sorry, yeah. who uh, won and draw drew there. But uh, yeah, Cornell is a team, and I mean, I don't know. I think the jury's still out on Harvard too. Uh, this is a very different Harvard team as well. I, I mean, there is a lot of talent there. I mean, obviously they had the 13th overall pick. Uh, when was the last time that happened in the right. ECAC? Uh, Matt Coronado and um, but I mean that Harvard team just looks like a team that they could be in the mix at the end of the year um, just super talented and, and they also seem to have an element of defense that they normally don't have they, they're normally not a great possession team uh, they're, not, they're not as much running gun this year as you know they're trying to get a lot of possession and you know it seems like they're they, they, they have the ability to, you know, remember, they scored 17 goals the first week into the year. So they have the ability to score some goals. And if they could put it all together, they could be scary. And um, you look at that Clarkson team, right? I mean, they're, they've kind of been an enigma all year. Like, you don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, you're either going to get an 8-2, to two, you know, win against, you know, a lower-level team. Or they're not going to, you know, they, they just, they, they struggle in games. Like, they struggled against New Hampshire. Lost 5-1 against New Hampshire, who's... Uh, middle EC, uh, hockey East team. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then you look down below, I mean, rents RPI, maybe, um, St. Lawrence definitely hasn't panned out to its defending champion status. So, yeah, I mean, I'm getting back to Harvard a second. They, they they're going to lose Nick, uh, Abruzzi's, uh, for the Olympics. I mean, how's that yeah. going to affect them? I mean, Nick Aprazeves, he's a great player. I mean, that's, that's, you know, he's probably the, the top scorer. And they're also going to lose their goal scorer, Sean Farrell, who's a sophomore. But this is his first year because Harvard didn't obviously play like Union last year. So, um, yeah, that's good. definitely going to be a struggle. But, I mean, it's two players. There's, there's, a lot of, there's still a lot of talent. There's still a lot of meat on the bone there um, that, that's, that some teams just would love to have. Um you know, they still have a player like, you know, Laferriere and um, uh, 
yeah, there's been players like that. Yeah. So there's still a lot of meat on the bone there. Henry's running the back. I mean, there's still a lot of meat on the bone for Harvard going forward. Yeah, of course, it's a pinnacle to get points in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, they'll be back for the tournament, hopefully. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that would make them scary. So, yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of talent yeah, there. But the thing was going over to China with these, this whole, you know, COVID situation, I mean, do they have to quarantine when they get back? from china that's going to be an interesting situation yeah that would be interesting that's why i said probably yeah. <laughs> you know i don't really know the whole thing i mean actually i think the interesting thing about that olympic team is you're going to have two young uh harvard guys that are still at school and you have two um older veteran yale guys so, so always interesting to see those uh those connections there and um yeah the ecsc has four players on, at olympic team two current and uh two alumni yeah. so but let's yeah you know, we we talked about the the middle part of the standings here. I mean RPI right now in uh, fifth place with fifteen points. St. Lawrence with twelve. Union's got eleven. Colgate and Brown at ten. And then you take the bottom. Prince and Dartmouth the L all at, at seven points. I mean it seems like we're going to have a, a battle for the home ice in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean who do you see you know getting those uh, four spots for the first round? I mean, I would have said Union, you know, before before the eight to two um, the other day. I mean, I thought they were probably, you know, they've seemingly been the most consistent out of that group. Pick up a win here or there, you know. It just seems like those top four teams right now are kind of, as you said, set, and everybody else behind that's fighting for all the all the scraps. Um, it, it certainly looks like maybe Union and Colgate might be the. Uh, top of those teams, maybe St. Lawrence, but St. Lawrence has really been struggling of late. Um, and their top goalie's out right now. And, it, yeah. and their top goalie's out right now. They've lost three straight games. You know, obviously they got swept last weekend by the Capital District team. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you would think your defending champions would, you know, be able to, would have found a little confidence, but it seems like they're a little struggling now. But, um, yeah, so like I said, it seems like Union. I mean, Colgate—they they should be better. I think. I think uh, they were pretty good early in the yeah, year. I know. Hey, yeah, and then then they had a debacle against Western Michigan where they were up five nothing, and then they, it seemingly they've never recovered from that, yeah. which is which is unfortunate. Um, but you know, maybe they could find some mojo going down and get the fifth spot. And yeah, RPI is obviously. Um, building again and you know they have a couple they have a little bit of experience there so it just looks like you know princeton yale dartmouth you know that dartmouth really struggles with possession but they have that kid clay stevenson who almost shut down quinnipiac by himself had 48 saves so um maybe they're a team that comes out just because they have the 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 top goaltending yeah i mean i i I look at union's weekend coming up with brown and yale as an important weekend if they want to uh, secure the at least get be you know, put themselves in position to get home ice in the first round of the tournament. You know, you get gets you know, two wins, six points. That really you know sets you up nicely as you head into February. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely a big weekend for both Capital Region teams. Um, you know, Brown's really been you know struggling at both ends of the ice uh, possession as well. You know, they've lost four in a row themselves. Um, and, you know, they've really, really struggled, you know, especially in net. They're giving up almost six, five goals a game in that stretch. So that's a tie. That's a tough little uh, ass there. And then Yale, I mean, they've been better of late. Um, their, their numbers are very low. Um, you know, their depth is an issue there. Um, but, you know, they've, they've had some, they did, you know, they may not be getting the results, but they've, they've stayed close in many of their games. 
um, including a game in, that they lost in overtime against Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, so maybe, maybe, you know, it might be, you know, a tough weekend still, but, you know, it's a big weekend for Union and RPI to pick up some uh, points here. It's also a big weekend uh, for Union and RIT, the, both hockey, the men and women's program, uh, waiting to hear uh, the vote. Uh, I think it's going to take place Saturday about being able to award uh, athletic scholarships. I mean, how big of a vote is that going to be and how, if, if, if it passes, I mean, how does that change the game for, you know, not Union and RIT? Yeah, I think that's a big deal, right? I mean, you look at the university union who's, you know, come out and, you know, in support of that, which is great. Um, but, yeah, that's that's very important for those schools to um, be able to offer the scholarships. Um, you know, they it puts them on a level playing field with the Quinnipiacs and the, well, obviously, probably not on the level playing field, but, you know, closer to those teams and uh, all that. So, yeah, so it's it's good to see and hopefully that that, boat passes because it'd be a big deal well josh appreciate a few minutes i have a busy schedule coming up so i appreciate you taking some time to talk with you and, and let's let's do this again as we maybe get to the yeah. tour we'll talk you know, tor- tournament time yeah absolutely sounds good ken right, i got to yeah. appreciate it that's josh segan of a college hockey news i'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment The pro football season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets his or her name in the Daily Gazette on Thursday and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. The You Pick a Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Adam Shinden. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back here on the Parting Shots Podcast as we get to set to wrap up this college hockey edition of the podcast. The big game in ECAC hockey this weekend takes place Saturday in Ithaca, New York, as top-ranked Quinnipiac will visit 8th-ranked Cornell. Uh, Quinnipiac just took over the top spot in both the uh, USCHO.com and USA Today, USA Hockey Magazine poll. Uh, Cornell's in 8th in both of those polls. Uh, uh, Quinnipiac, uh, right now, as we said, the top spot in ECAC hockey have not lost a game in league plays so far. Uh, and, you know, there's a history between Cornell and Quinnipiac. They've had some, you know, big games, some you know, bitter games, and uh, some been uh, some animosity between uh, Quinnipiac head coach Ram Pecknell and uh, Cornell coach Mike Schaefer. Uh, so I expect a really intense game Saturday in Ithaca. Of course, the, the fans at Liner Rink are going to be crazy and as usual. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Quinnipiac 8-0-1 right now in uh, league play and 17-1-3 overall. Uh, Quinnipiac has 26 points, uh, four ahead of Clarkson and five ahead of Cornell. Uh, both Quinnipiac and Cornell have played nine league games. Cornell 7-1-1 and 12-3-1 overall. So it should be a really a rip-roaring time in Ithaca on Saturday night. Uh, taking a look around the rest of the ECC hockey schedule this weekend, the RPI is back in action at Houston Fieldhouse. It will host Yale at 7 o'clock. Other games, uh, Clarkson at Dartmouth uh, at 7. Uh, Quinnipiac was at Colgate uh, before their meeting with Cornell. 
uh, Cornell will host Princeton on Friday. Uh, St. Lawrence is at Harvard. And as I said, Yale is at RPI. Uh, taking a look at Saturday's action, of course, everything gets reversed. Uh, Clarkson will visit Harvard. Uh, Quinnipiac, as mentioned, going to Cornell. Colgate will host Princeton. Uh, Brown goes over to RPI. Yale will visit Union. And uh, St. Lawrence will go to Dartmouth. So, uh, you know, we'll keep you up abreast on things going on in the ECAC hockey next week on our podcast. Of course, uh, next week we have the Mayor's Cup. And we'll have some interviews from that was con- a Zoom call that was conducted uh, this earlier this week. So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll dive into more in the Mayor's Cup um, next week. Of course, Union and RPI both have games next week. Our RPI has to go to Harvard on Tuesday, and the Union has to go to Dartmouth on Wednesday. So, uh, little unusual circumstances. We obviously you know, make up games because of the cancellations due to the uh, COVID-19 situation. Uh, usually, when you get to the Mayor's Cup, the teams don't have games. They're just the, this just the one game that they get ready for, but not not that's not this time. Thank you. Thanks to COVID-19. Um, so, you know, that will basically do it here. I to let you know that you can participate in the ACC Hockey Faceoff selections. I post my picks every Wednesday. And you can email your picks to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. And that's the email address where you can uh, have questions or comments about the podcast or have any questions about college hockey in general. I'd be happy to answer them here for you on the podcast. And uh, that will do it for this edition, uh, college hockey-centric edition of the uh, Party Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Josh Segan for coming on the show. And uh, I've uh, post-game uh, po- podcast uh, this weekend after the Brown and Yale game. It's been a while since I've got a chance to do one. The last one was the uh, Quinnipiac game. So uh, I mean, hopefully I remember how to do a pod- post-game podcast so for you. But, uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting back over to Messerink uh, this weekend and covering some games. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I am Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good hockey.